When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Joe. Hi, hello. Today we are celebrating drag. I was so excited I couldn't even say it right. Tomorrow starts season seven of RuPaul's Drag Race All Stars. And I am beyond excited. Jill is with me today. Jill, hello. Hi. That's my Alaska. There's there's only one way to enter this this uh, this episode is with a hi, hi. Or, or or with like a Trixie and Katya style. <laughs> um, so I mentioned RuPaul's Drag Race in the Stream Alikes episode, uh, but just for those of you who aren't fans like us or who may be just diving in for the first time, RuPaul's Drag Race is a reality competition show hosted by famous drag performer RuPaul. The standard seasons hunt for America's Next Drag Superstar, pitting drag artists from around the world against one another for that title. And as of season 14, $150,000 instead of just $100,000. But in the All-Stars franchise, queens from standard seasons return for their chance to actually win. I should say usually, though, because season seven of All-Stars is an all winners season now since this is an all winners season spoiler alert for new watchers uh skip like two minutes ahead because jill and i are going to talk about our feelings i'm also going to read off the contestants for season seven and ask jill who she wants to win so like give us like two minutes if you're (laughs) trying to preserve it for yourself Jill, thoughts, feelings, just in general of the idea of an all-winner season. I am so here for it. Okay. It is, it is no, you and I have talked about this. Um, of course. Um, my favorite season of all of RuPaul's Drag Race is season five. So Absolutely. I am here for Jinx to return, to win the crown again. Here for it. I'm so here for it. Absolutely. Season five is also my favorite season. Um, I've watched it so many times because you can rewatch it so many times. Many times. Uh, um, speaking of season five, Jill and I saw Alyssa Edwards this weekend. She has a touring. What would you call what we witnessed? <laughs> a review like a fancy broadway review yes (laughs) there's some like lip syncing there's some dancing there's some comedy there's There's, some men there's some men Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh god what was the one thing when she was talking about was it she went to the gray bar for the first time Yes, when she, when she was talking about the gay bar, going to the gay bar for the first time, and the dancers 
I was like, is this about to become fully explicit? That's These what it felt like. Dancers. I I if I had known the art of dance was like that, I would have gotten yeah. into the art of dance. Right? <laughs> There right? was a there was a person sat a few rows behind us who every time those boys came out just went like, <laughs> and I mean I relate, but also like, sir, we're in public, right, right, yeah. There was there was there was a lot, and there was just yeah, Alyssa being Alyssa. There were costume it, changes. Her costumes are so stunning. Good. That blue dress towards the end where she was dancing. That, that blue dress. Even the, even the first, like, the first piece where she was just, like, in a bodysuit yeah. that had the, like, stars. The amount of rhinestones in everything she wears and the way that they catch the light. Like, I, I won't lie. Alyssa could use just a just a few more runs through to get used to telling her story because I don't think she's used to being scripted. Um, If I can provide a moment of review, I would say she still has to find her comfort in the way that she's like, she was so comfortable in everything else, but when she had to do like a bit or a moment that was planned, you're like, Oh, you know, she just hasn't found like her voice in it yet but it's like a beautiful compelling uh, story of her life uh, mixed in with dance numbers and costume changes and her energy is infectious I couldn't tell if they were scripted or not like the whole thing with the spotlight I was like is is this that how uh-huh. so, so for context she's on stage and the spotlight Twice, I think the spotlight drifts off of her and she mm-hmm. makes some comment about making sure that the spotlight stays on her. And I'm just like, this is Playhouse Square. It feels very unlikely that their spotlight would mess up. Well, because the, the first time when she called it out, I didn't even notice that it I had drifted. Either. Yeah. And the second time it was like comically drifted. Correct. And both times her response was a callback to something she had done. Because the first time, I think both times were referenced to her Joan Crawford, which isn't really Joan Crawford, but Mommy Dearest movie. Because she does the whole like, I've dealt with monsters like you before. Like both times are Joan Crawford callbacks. So it has to all be be staged. I I would think so. I also, yeah. the only thing I wasn't really sure was like when she was almost tripping. Yes. That too. Because I was, I was watching the gown and I was like, that is curling in a way, that bow is curling in a way that she's going to step on it. But I think maybe the most impressive thing I took away was her awareness of her own body. Cause she just, before she'd walk, she'd kick all of the fabric out of the way in a way that like, you don't even notice it. But because I was so afraid she was just going to eat it on that stage that I was paying attention. Ah. Yeah. I live for it. She was very aware of those gowns. She also had this fantastic silk leopard print, like, dressing gown. I don't even know what else you would call it. Like, dressing gown. And she had, like, a black... She had had the wig taken off, so, like, a black cap. I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah, she was... She was giving Norma Desmond from Sunset Boulevard, and I was Absolutely. here for it, a hundred percent. 
it broke to intermission right after that. And you were like, didn't know I needed one of those. (laughs) And then I jokingly said, I need one of those like black widow with the ostrich trim completely sheer. And then when she comes back, that's what she put on. Yeah. Like our our two personalities were represented from before intermission and right after. So good. But so, yeah, so it was tons of fun. If you have the chance to see Alyssa, you know, I think it's worth it. And it was created by people in the West End and debuted there. And now she's touring with it. So super fun. Great tie in for season five. Uh, Any chance to see Alyssa again, I will happily take. Um, But so let's see, before we dive into our titles that are drag centric, the uh, season seven of RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars features Jada Essence Hall, winner of season 12, Jinx Monsoon, winner of season five, Monet Exchange, winner of All-Stars four or five. I don't know why I decided I was going to do this to myself. I don't remember all of them. Raja, winner of season three, who I'm happy to see because, you know, she can go from 75,000 to 150. Yeah. Uh, the Vivian, who also happy to see because she won zero dollars being UK season one. Uh, the UK doesn't give away prize money for TV shows. Uh, Trinity the Tuck, who was a co-winner with the all-star season with Monet Exchange. And then Evie Oddly from season 11. It's going to be pretty great. Now, yeah, Jill, I agree. I'm I'm here for it. You are looking forward to Jinx. I am. I am looking forward to Jinx. Uh, I, I adore Jinx. I also adore Jinx. I am secretly looking forward to Roger, which is what I call Raja. Um, because I'm so glad that Raja is going to be back. It yeah. was fully like a, a runaway season, season three, but like, she's been gone for so long and we've only seen her like web looks. I would love to see what she's bringing, but I'm, I'm probably with you. I think this time around, I want Jinx to win. To be fair, I wanted Roxy to win season five. So I can only say so much. Uh, I can't with Roxy. I just, I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of Roxy. That's, that's I love her. Friend. She's messy. Was, um, I think that's why I don't like her. <laughs> which is why I love her. I could like, never be that messy. <laughs> the rest of them relax and talk to my fine with like I like Alaska, I love detox. Just something about Roxy, I'm just I'm just not a fan. Um so but funny. again, that's just personal preference. So um have you seen any of the TikToks going around from DragCon? Um I think I've seen a couple, but I don't really Where remember. Rue fully forgets Jinx's name. No, did not see that. Oh, they're about to like ribbon cut to start things. And Jinx is standing there and Rue's telling the story of like, you know, and I, and I was just talking about this with this one oh. and like is staring Jinx, but not only just ends it with this one, then goes and tell them what your name is. <laughs> right. Could have gotten away with this one. That said, I think at this point, Rue's just old, which well. is not a hateful comment. Yeah, but, you know, like it's I I understand with the, that many people coming through. I was always with the like you're never gonna remember every queen, and you're never even gonna remember every winner. But realistically, haven't they already wrapped? Yes, that's my thing. They would have already wrapped the all stars, so you would think you'd remember although, Jinx. Although wasn't it Tammy Brown who after season one like called Rue out for constantly having an earpiece and needing to be fed lines it's possible and so it 
would not surprise me <laughs> if Rue just flat out does not know or will not learn a name because because, <laughs> because she kept getting fed lines. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I think like if you had just wrapped, just wrapped, or at least wrapped at some point within the last year, let's say, right? You know, you, I you would I don't think know. you would remember. Also, like, if this is, she doesn't talk to many of the queens. If this is one of the queens you actually talk to. Yeah. Uh, what like do I for, know? Like, former winner, now coming back with All-Stars. Right. Like, you would think, you would think. Uh-huh. You would remember. You would think. But so, listeners, I... I am not too precious about just like starting a show with the season that's airing currently when it comes to reality TV. It's a little different when it's like a whole series. And I'd say All Stars is a tough one to just jump in with because, you know, it bears a lot on like, you already love these queens. But if you're going to do it, starts Friday, May 20th on Paramount+. Plus. We are not paid by Paramount. Um, If they want to pay me, I will happily provide a Venmo. But uh, we're just shouting it out because Jill and I love drag and we're so excited for All Stars 7. Sure do, sure do. Yeah. I, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. And I will say, <laughs> as far as All Star seasons, and it, it could be because mm-hmm. I love season five so much, but season two of All Stars is... Uh-huh. It is probably one of the best seasons of any RuPaul ever. I mean, so good. It's so good. I also have like an even bigger appreciation for it after seeing Alyssa's show from Mm -hmm. just some of the behind the things, the behind the scenes things she said. Just I'm imagining her being shushed, standing behind the mirror of like, no, baby, I'm going to go talk to her. I'm going to let her know I have a problem with her. And Tatiana being like, they're quieting you, girl. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I, I love it. I'm so excited. So if you haven't gathered from all of our blathering, which who knows what Jill has edited or not. uh, True. It's true. Today, we are going to give you some more drag centric books. These are going to be across the gamut. I know a lot of mine are a little more um, if you want some of the history of drag, but also some fun stuff. So I guess we're just going to dive into it. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. So my first title is If You're a Drag Queen and You Know It by Lil Miss Hot Mess. So this is a super fun juvenile title. It is, you know, like if you're happy and you know it, uh, this is Lil Miss Hot Mess's second book, I believe. The first one is The Hips on the Drag Queen Go Swish, 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 which I love. So I am one of the... Uh, chairs of our employee resource group here at Overdrive. Uh, I am part of the LGBT uh, employee resource group. Uh, Our name is for the Reading Rainbows. And uh, last, I think it was last year, we ended our programming with a read, a fun uh, Zoom read along where we read the hips on the drag queen go swish, swish, swish. And we all did just like a different part of it. And it was a fun way to end out the year. So I am super excited to see that Lummis Hot Mess has this new book. 
So strike a, plo- strike a pose, blow a kiss, mouth the words. A fun sing-along book with a drag twist that encourages kids to embrace all the playfulness of drag culture written by a founding member of Drag Queen Story Hour. If you're a drag queen and you know it, let it show by winking, shaking your bum, laughing real big, twirling around, and more. Join a cast of fabulous drag queens as you sing along to the tune of If You're Happy and You Know It in this playful celebration of expressing expressing your brightest and boldest self. So that's uh, that's my first title. A fun one if you're just looking to have some fun with your friends or if you're trying to encourage your kids to understand different perspectives from the ones they're living. Which we love. We love those different perspectives for children. We love to see it. Love to see it. So my first one is by Ryan LaSala. Um, You are probably, if you've listened to this podcast, familiar with Ryan LaSala and especially Reverie. Um, Reverie was a big library read pick from, I think, last year the year before i should have looked it up in advance and forgot anyway um so (laughs) remember is about kane uh he was in an accident that robbed him of his memory and the only thing he knows for certain is that the police found him half dead in the river the world as he knows it different reality seems different and strange things start happening around him kane isn't sure where to turn so um, Ryan came on to um, the podcast as part of a live event that Adam and I did for Big Library Read. Um, if you were there, I hope you enjoyed it because um, Ryan and I did tarot readings while he got ready in drag because there's a drag queen in Reverie. And <laughs> who doesn't who doesn't love that part? Uh, <laughs> so um, of course I had to include this. Um, and if you did not read Reverie as part of Big Library Read, that's okay. You can read it now and then you can go listen to the episode from when we aired it from when it was on the podcast. So that is Reverie by Ryan LaSala. And what a fun episode that was. And his presence on social media as a whole is just such a joy to to take in and engage with and he's got the honeys just came out so yeah. if you find that if this is your first introduction to ryan lasala sorry that we've failed you in this way but go listen to the old app uh read reverie and then dive into all of his other beautiful work for sure uh so my next title is life as a unicorn by amru Alkadi. And this is a biography. It's, you know, a heartbreaking and hilarious memoir about the author's fight to become true to themselves. It's the winner of a Somerset Maugham Award shortlisted for the Polari First Book Prize of 2020. So Amru knew they were gay when, age 10, they first laid eyes on Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone. It was love at first sight. Amru's parents weren't so happy. From that moment on, they began searching in all the wrong places for ways to make their divided self feel whole again. Life as a Unicorn is a hilarious and devastating story of of the search for belonging, following the painful and surprising process of transforming from a God-fearing Muslim boy to a queer drag queen, strutting the stage in seven-inch heels and saying the things nobody else dares to. So a great look into drag across cultures, into finding yourself through art, um, whether that is the art of drag or just kind of the different ways that you can express yourself. 
And there are a lot of different covers for this book, just depending on where you're at. And they're all fun in different ways. And they all kind of evoke different kind of nostalgic feelings almost. Um, but the, the tagline in the book is a journey from shame to pride and everything in between. All right. My next one is called Middle School's Drag You Better Work. W-E-R-K. <laughs> I will not attempt a RuPaul impersonation. So this is by Greg Howard. It is also juvenile, which I, I love that there's so many like juvenile middle grade and younger books for really young readers. Um, so 12-year-old Mikey Pruitt is president, founder, and CEO of Anything Inc. has always been an entrepreneur at heart. Inspired by his grandfather, Pat Pruitt, who successfully ran all sorts of businesses from a car wash to a roadside peanut stand, Mikey is still looking for his million-dollar idea. Unfortunately, most of his ideas so far have failed. But Mikey is determined to keep at it. It isn't until kid drag queen Coco Caliente, mistress of madness and mayhem, a.k.a. 8th grader Julian Vasquez, walks into his office, a.k.a. his family's storage laundry room, looking for an agent that Mikey thinks he's finally found his million dollar idea and the anything talent, anything talent and pizzazz agency is born. I just, <laughs> anything talent and pizzazz agency. I love that. Anything right? talent and pizzazz agency. Soon Mikey has a whole roster of kid clients looking to hit it big or at least win the middle school talent shows hundred dollar prize. As newly out, Mikey prepares Julian for the gig of a lifetime. He realizes there's no rule book for being gay. And if Julian can be openly gay at school, maybe too, and tell his crush, Dreamy Colton, how he feels. Uh, it's, yeah, you got drag queens, you got young gay kids figuring things out. Just all of it. I love all of that. Oh, this this book it just made me so happy. I'm like I'm right? gonna I'm gonna go read this. I, it sounds I, so cute. It sounds so cute. The name of his talent agency. Also, I love that he's like that's my million dollar idea. What what an allegory for truly the money behind people capitalizing on drag that we well, <laughs> see today. Like huh. that too. Hmm. Hmm. Oh. I love that so much. I I will be reading that because. <laughs> All right. My next book is a, let's see, it is a fiction, literature, romance, humor title. I'll read all the key subjects there. This is Life's a Drag by Janie Millman. There's more to life than being fabulous, but it's a start. Roz and Jamie have moved to leafy Suffolk from London in search of a quiet life, so it's a shock to find the village embarking on its riotous annual drag competition. Fueled by large quantities of alcohol and boisterous community spirit, they are soon caught up in a battle for the identity of the village itself against those who'd prefer it stay stuck in the past. Meanwhile, in San Francisco, Drew is facing his own challenge to save his drag club and the livelihoods of his closest friends. When he finds out about a small English village putting on a drag competition, inspiration strikes and worlds collide. Appearances are not everything, and sometimes human connections can surprise us, but will these realizations be too late to save the village and Drew's club? 
It's a gorgeously fun, heartwarming, and tender story of unexpected friendships and acceptance. We've got worlds colliding. We've got double drag competitions. We've got small towns trying to expand their horizons and be more accepting while facing... It's too Wong Fu reimagined. Like... (laughs) Speaking of, I... Love that Alyssa called out to Wong Fu in, I, mm-hmm. I don't, I got, I was probably, I don't even remember how old I was when Tu Wong Fu came out, maybe like 13, it was like the nineties, right? Um, I don't remember, but like, I think that was kind of my introduction to drag. And of course it's not necessarily like the best introduction because it's sure this straight man playing drag queens. But I was just like, I don't know what this magical thing is, but I really like Patrick Swayze in makeup and I need to see more <laughs> men in makeup and wigs, please. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, it was 1995. I when, was 14. Okay. When the yeah. film came out, I, I yeah, won't no, do that I know. to you today. I know. Thank you. <laughs> was I three? <laughs> <laughs> you said. <laughs> you literally said you weren't going to do that, Joe. Oops, I did it. <laughs> I Trixie actually just watched uh, or did like a review on her YouTube channel of Tu Wong Fu. And she was like, what drag queen in New York City is living in this apartment? <laughs> and then followed by what bar in New York City has this theater space that this competition is going uh, yeah, on I know. in? I know. It's- I I appreciate that there were real drag queens, both RuPaul and Coco Peru are in it, along with a whole cast of other, like, legends from New York, Suzanne Barsh, I believe Flotilla DeBarge, like, lots of, lots of there, but then they don't get to carry on the story. So I believe this movie would be made today just differently. Correct. You know, Ginger Minge would be involved because she seems to always Uh, be cast. Yeah. (laughs) I could see that. I just, yeah. So many great lines in that movie. uh, Yes, it's, uh, it's a perfect movie. Uh, Also, Rue's drag name in the movie, Rachel Tensions. Oh, that's right. And she comes (laughs) out in that, like, I think, is it like, it is a Confederate Confederate flag flag dress. dress. Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Just making sure I remember that correctly. The only thing they could have done differently is instead of uh, naming her Rachel Tensions, it could have been Bertha of a Nation. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, six to one. Uh, So Uh, that was Life's a Drag by Janie Millman. And a brief uh, interlude about Tu Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar, because why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we? That's right. So my next one is The House of Impossible Beauties by Joseph Kassara. This was, when it came out in 2018, was a recommended book by BuzzFeed, The Wall Street Journal, The Millions, Southern Living, Bustle, Esquire, Entertainment Weekly, and more that I will not name because let's talk about the book itself. So this is set, um, it's fiction. Um, it is a inspired by the real House of Extravaganza, which was the house made famous um, in Paris's burning. So it's 1980 in New York City, and nowhere is the city's glamour and energy better reflected than in the burgeoning Harlem ball scene where 17-year-old Angel first comes into her own. Burned by her traumatic past, Angel's new to the drag world, new to ball culture, and has a yearning inside of her to help 
create family for those without. When she falls in love with Hector, a beautiful young man who dreams of becoming a professional dancer, the two decide to form the House of Extravaganza, the first ever all-Latino house in the Harlem Ball circuit. But when Hector dies of AIDS-related complications, Angel must bear the responsibility of tending to their house alone. As mother of the house, Angel recruits Venus, a whip-fast trans girl who dreams of finding a rich man to take care of her, Juanito, a quiet boy who loves fabrics and design, and Daniel, a butch queen who accidentally saves Venus's life. The extravagandas must learn to navigate sex work, addiction, and persistent abuse, leaning on each other as bulwarks against a world that resists them. All are ambitious, resilient, and determined to control their own fates, even as they hurtle toward devastating consequences. So if you have seen the documentary Paris is Burning or watched Pose, you are probably familiar with ball culture of the 80s and 90s in New York City. And the house, yeah, the house of extravaganza plays a big role in um, in Paris is Burning. Yeah. If you if you haven't seen Paris is Burning, I'm I'm gonna stop us right here. You have to watch Paris is Burning. It is perhaps one of my favorite things to just sit down and watch and like recenter. And if you've only seen Pose, that is not enough. Like that's yes, yeah, true. If you've if you've seen Pose, great. But then you need to see the real thing and see Paris is Burning. Um, and oddly enough, it's a documentary that hits so many dark topics in a way that you never feel. I never feel heavy at the end of it. I never feel. You know, like the gravity of the situation hits me, but it is not created in a way that makes you like feel bad at the end. So yes. uh, yeah, it's yes. it's required watching uh, in the queer community and it's a great thing for allies to understand as well. Plus it's, it's really fun. It's fascinating. The New York ball scene, I, I mean, still alive today. I'm so grateful that my TikTok for you page includes a lot of ball culture. What? <laughs> Yeah, you got to like the right videos, Jill, but Apparently. I'll, I'll just start sending you uh, different like Vogue offs and <laughs> that sounds yes, yes. You so I, I absolutely will. We got to we got to fix your FYP. <laughs> but yes, watch it. Love it. Embrace it. Uh, and also Michelle Visage came up through the mm. New York ball scene. Uh, she, she trained with Willie Ninja, who is one of the like pioneers of Vogue, just yeah. to bring it back to drag race. <laughs> it works. Thank you. <laughs> you know, what can I say? So my next title is a nonfiction title. This is actually from the Indiana university press. So it's, you know, it's, it's a heavy on the historical front, uh, historical front. It's heavy on like the educational front, I should say. Uh, but I thought it was very necessary in kind of this sense for some background. It's called Queering Drag by Meredith Heller. And the tagline is redefining the discourse of gender bending. I loved this option because it focuses a little more on the side of drag that we don't get to see as much. And that would be the drag kings um, and the AFAB performers. Um, But so overall, theatrical gender bending, also called drag, is a popular form of entertainment and a subject of scholarly study. 
study. However, most drag studies do not question the standard words and ideas used to convey this performance genre. Drawing on a rich body of archival and ethnographic research, Meredith Heller illuminates diverse examples of theatrical gender bending, male impersonation, and variety and vaudeville from the 1860s to the 1920s, the sexless gender bending of El Titro Campesino, I'm going to try that again, the sexless gender bending of El Teatro Campesino from 1960 to 1980, queer butch acts performed by Black nightclub singers such as Stormé Delarvery, instigator of the Stonewall Riots, 1910 to 1970, and the range of acts that compose contemporary drag king shows today. Heller highlights how in each case, standard drag discourses do not sufficiently capture the complexity of performers' intents and methods, nor do they provide a strong enough foundation for holistically evaluating the impact of this work. So queering drag offers a redefinition of the genre centralized in the performer's construction and presentation of a queer version of their hegemonic identity, and it models a new set of tools for analyzing drag as a process of intents and methods enacted to affect specific goals. This new drag discourse not only allows for more complete and accurate descriptions of drag acts, but it also facilitates more ethical discussions about the bodies, identities, and products of drag performers. So if you are someone who is already kind of buried deep in queer and drag culture and you want a little more foundational background or you just want a different kind of researched perspective compared to a lot of other things that just kind of float around online this one is an interesting one can't lie you heard me read the description it's it's not a light read this is a i'm i'm sitting down with a notebook to take some notes kind of read but i appreciated that it focuses a little more on drag kings because that is uh, somewhat harder to come by. I agree. That's what, when you were reading it, I was like, oh, drag kings. Yeah. That's, you don't, you don't have, there's not a lot out there mm-hmm. about them. No, there's really not. Um, so Queering Drag by Meredith Hiller definitely hits that. Uh, and if you're looking for a different version of kind of drag competition and you're okay with little gruesome uh, or, or like messiness, the Boulet Brothers Dragula is great for that. Uh, streams in a couple different places. I also believe the first season is on YouTube, like by them, uh, and features uh, Landon Sider, a drag king. Uh, and I believe there are a couple other, there is an AFAB performer in there along with, you know, throughout the seasons, they've had a variety of different forms of expression. So you get a, a, a different representation depending on what you're watching. Very cool. I've definitely seen that floating around. I'll have to watch it. Um, mm-hmm. So my next one is Diary of a Drag Queen by Crystal Mas- Rasmussen with Tom Rasmussen. So Tom um, is the non-drag version of Crystal. Probably the best way to put that. So this is a... Crystal's diary and then Tom comes in and sort of shares the other side of um this life of being a drag queen so in these pages find glamour and gaffes on and off the stage clarifying snippets of queer theory terrifyingly selfish bosses sex quick sex KFC bitches group sex the kind of honesty that banishes shame glimmers of hope blazes of ambition, tender sex, mad dashes and last night's heels, plus a full face of makeup, 
in a rom-com love story for the ages. This is where the unspeakable becomes the celebrated. This is the diary of a drag queen, one dazzling, hilarious, true performance of a real flawed, extraordinary life. And so I, I love that Crystal is the first name and the main name as the author, but you know, Tom's like, nope, I'm here too. And just sort of, you know, I've heard other drag queens sort of talk about their drag personas as being kind of alter egos almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I love, I love this idea of um, a diary of a drag queen by the drag queen. I, I definitely love the like man behind the curtain element yes. of, mm-hmm. oh yeah, you know, oh no, Crystal's, uh, Crystal's <laughs> not here right now. She's, uh, she's getting something out of the closet, you know, cause that's where all the drag lives. Right. I, I love that kind of separation of personalities. Uh, yeah, I read this one in time with, uh, the, the page to stream episode and it was so much fun. It's, it's just a fun book. I uh, can't recommend enough. My next title is Legends of Drag, Queens of a Certain Age by Harry James Hansen. So this is a tribute to the groundbreaking drag icons who helped pave the way for the queens of today. Drag has officially transcended from the underground and exploded into the mainstream. Queens have more visibility than ever, and it's been hard won through decades of perseverance, imagination, and intergenerational support within local drag communities. It's time to honor the queens who paved the way for the new generation of drag and are still carrying out their work today. To create Legends of Drag, a photo book and archive of living drag history, author Harry James Hansen and Devin Antheus traveled coast to coast, visiting 16 cities to meet 80 legendary entertainers who shared boundless wisdom and powerful anecdotes from their lives. These queens are featured in stunning portraits, shot on location, and styled with unique floral elements. (laughs) It's not out yet. I love everything about this. (laughs) Thank you. I also love everything in that paragraph. Like, this one is not out yet. It comes out June 21st. Uh, I think I've, uh, I also think the um, the first title I recommended is not out yet as well, but comes out this month. Um, I, I know when I talked about drag last, I brought up um, Why Drag by Magnus Hastings. Magnus Hastings? Uh-oh, now I, I got to Google, hold on. Oh no, I know what, yes, it is Magnus Hastings it's because if, if that Courtney was on Act. your list, mm-hmm. I missed it because it is on my list. So we're going to talk about why drag again. <laughs> okay, perfect. Um, I love that book. It's a great coffee table book. It's a great way to learn why the queens do what they do. Sorry, Jill, not going to steal any more of your thunder. But I love that this one focuses on... Um, queens who truly paved the way giving respect and paying homage to the queens who built the foundation that so many of us get to walk on today and they're still out there performing like there's a lot of beautiful documentaries that talk about and highlight on different aspects of queer culture and there's nothing that makes me smile more than like they're heading to like some fire island competition or like handing over of the reins and you just see you know miss so-and-so 1963 walk you know like shakily walk across to get on the boat to head over to fire island because she has to be there to watch the torch get passed to the 2022 winner and i uh, it always just makes me so happy so um legends of drag queens of a certain age 
be ready for it when it comes out in June. All right. Well, this was not going to be in the next book, but let's do it. So my next book is <laughs> Why Drag by Magnus Hastings. This is uh, portraits of drag queens from all over the world. All sort of ask the question, why drag? Like, why do you do drag? Why is drag so important to you? Um, and the photographs are phenomenal. It you know, you have these drag queens who everybody has their own vibe as a drag queen. And these portraits manage to capture so well these different personalities in these drag queens. And, you know, you have many drag queens who have appeared on um, RuPaul, but you have drag queens from all over who have not. And I, I love this book. I love this book. I love their answers um, mm-hmm. because, again, you learn so much about the the drag queens and the band behind the curtains when you read their answers. Um, I, I love this book so much. I also love this book perhaps a little too much because, the, like you said, the photos are beautiful. They're stunning. Magnus Hastings is such a talented photographer. Like, he photographs drag queens in a way that I wish everyone would be photographed just period, yes. but that everyone would photograph drag queens. Like, we've all seen the, like, the photo that's taken and then after the the photoshopping is done, how the drag queens look totally different. He does that with the lens. It's still like such a true representation of them. And I feel like every queen, when they get a photo done by him, it's on their Instagram. They're like Magnus Hastings, Magnus Hastings. And then they're printing copies to sell at their merch table. <laughs> they're just, they're, I, they're so good. They're mm-hmm. so, like very high fashion but super editorial yes but there's a like some of them depending on the queen of course there's like this quirkiness to it you know I just uh yes this book is so good I live for it this book is like perfection really yes (laughs) (laughs) so my next title I couldn't forget about my love for young adult fiction this is drag teen by Jeffrey Self JT feels like his life's hit a dead end. It looks like he'll always be stuck in Florida. His parents are anti-supportive, and his boyfriend, Seth, seems to be moving toward a bright future a long way from home. Scholarship money is non-existent. After school, work will only get JT so far. There's only one shot for him, to become the next Miss Drag teen in New York City. The problem with that? Well, the only other time JT tried drag at a school talent show, he was booed off the stage. And it's not exactly an easy drive from Florida to New York, but JT isn't going to give up. He, Seth, and their friend Heather are going to drag race up north so JT can capture the crown no matter how many feisty foes he has to face. Because when your future is on the line, you have to be in it to win it one fraught and fabulous step at a time. I love it. Me too. (laughs) The cover, like, also... Emma's not even here and we're talking about covers. (laughs) The cover definitely gives teen drag queen it's a very shake and go pink wig on a on a wig head 
and I'm here for it. I I love a simple cover that really sells it well. Uh, This is from Scholastic, came out in 2016. So sorry if you've already read it, but I hadn't heard of it yet. And it sounds super fun to me. So my next one is Guru by RuPaul. You know, if we're going to talk drag race, we have to have RuPaul in here somewhere. Um, so you're born naked and the rest is drag. Very well-known quote from RuPaul. And as someone who has deconstructed life's hilarious facade, RuPaul has broken the fourth wall to expand on the concept of mind, body, and spirit. This unique perspective has allowed RuPaul to break the shackles of self-imposed limitations. But reader beware, this is a daily practice that requires diligence and touchstones to keep you walking in the sunshine of the spirit. Once you're willing to look beyond the identity that was given to you, a hidden world of possibilities will open its doors. Throughout the history of humans on this planet, they've always been shamans, seers, and mediums who are able to interpret both high and low frequencies and remind humans to look beyond the surface for the truth of who we really are. And who we really are is an extension of the power that created the universe, aka God and drag. FYI, most people are not willing to hear or accept that. I mean, that makes perfect sense to me, so I'm fine with it. So that is RuPaul's secret for success, not only in show business, but in all aspects of life, especially in navigating the emotional landmines that inhibit most sweet, sensitive stoles. If you think this book is just about doing drag, you are sorely mistaken because for RuPaul, drag is merely a device to deactivate the identity-based ego and allow space for the unlimited. Leave it to RuPaul to come up with a dis if I wish I was as prepared as Emma always is because I could pull up my my physical copy of it and go oh did you mean this book like she killed me during our Twilight episode (laughs) but what a description Rue has written about a book that is basically a coffee table book with photos of Rue all throughout and quotes on the other page I mean I love it. I love it. I'm here for it. Like, who did you? I, yeah. Did you ever listen to his podcast with Michelle? It's called What's the Tea? It's no longer, it's no longer with us. No, I'm pretty sure. Is that what they once where they would like interview the final four on Drag Race for the podcast? They would interview the final four from Drag Race on the podcast, except those episodes never aired. aired. They were okay. they were never real episodes. That's fine. But that's yes. my only exposure is those episodes. Okay, so basically, he and Michelle a lot of times would like interview the guest judges that were on uh, and get like actual interviews during downtime. Uh, or just like a variety of things. They'd have episodes where they were just hanging out. Like you can see Rue's transition from hating musical theater to week after week, Michelle beating him into loving musical theater. Um, But all of that, I was like, that was the stuff he would say every week. Like, no, you have to look at the self outside of yourself. And I just, oh, it's, it was just like a re-memory. It was just good times flowing back into my brain. <laughs> Leave it to Rue. Leave it to Rue. Leave it to Rue. Another November Scorpio. So my last title is a nonfiction title. It's called RuPaul's Drag Race and the Shifting Visibility of Drag Culture by Niall Brennan. So this came out in 2017. So some of the information will be a little dated. But once again, if you're just introducing yourself, nice to have some of that 
foundational thoughts and to also see how cool it is where things have grown even from this point. So this book identifies and analyzes the ways in which RuPaul's Drag Race has shaped the visibility of drag culture in the U.S. and internationally, as well as how the program has changed understandings of reality TV. This edited volume illustrates how drag and uh, how drag has become a significant aspect of the LGBTQ plus experience and identity globally through RuPaul's Drag Race and how the show has reformed a media landscape in which competition and reality itself are understood as a given. Taking on lenses addressing race, ethnicity, geographical origin, cultural identity, physicality, and body image, and participation in drag culture across the globe, this volume offers critical, non-traditional, and first-hand perspectives on drag culture. So I found this super cool, and even though it's from 2017, and I can, you know, I know it's a little dated, I think it's super cool, like I said earlier, to compare where we are from this point of view, because this talks about how this book talks about how RuPaul's Drag Race has shaped even the internet, they would say even the international idea of drag, because this is before RuPaul's Drag Race had a version in like every continent. Um, if you remember from Streamalikes, uh, there uh, is a UK series that runs on the BBC. Uh, there's España. France is about to start. Um, there's Thailand. There's there. I could never list them all. There are so many iterations of Drag Race now with more coming that RuPaul's Drag Race had already shaped just by the US episodes airing and now adding actual seasons elsewhere is continuing to change the landscape even more than it already had so it's fascinating to see what Nile was coming from when this was wrote, written in 2017 and just what has changed in the last handful of years since then yeah I think when you sort of also look at the contestants who are on drag mm -hmm. race there's been a like huge more inclusive shift in um across the board who, of inclusivity across, yeah like who is performing drag and is on drag race which is absolutely nice to see absolutely being able to see queens of color um trans queens uh, just everything across the board we love we love variety in our programming so my last book um is nonfiction. It is Queer Nuns by Melissa M. Wilcox. This is about the sisters of perpetual indulgence who <laughs> um are in an unlikely order of nuns. They also appear in Y Drag, which is a fantastic photo. Anyway, self-described as 21st century queer nuns, the sisters began in 1979 when three bored gay men donned retired Roman Catholic nuns habits and went for a stroll through San Francisco's gay Castro district. Just let that sink in for a moment. I just oh, love it. So the stunned and delighted responses they received prompted these already seasoned activists to consider whether the habits might have some use in social justice work. And within a year, they had constituted uh, the new order. Today, with more than 83 houses on four different continents, the sisters offer health outreach support and at times protests on behalf of queer communities. In Queer Nuns, Melissa M. Wilcox offers new insights into the role the sisters play across queer culture and the religious landscape. 
The sisters both spoof nuns and argue quite seriously that they are nuns, adopting an innovative approach the author refers to as serious parody. Like any performance, serious parody can either challenge or reinforce existing power dynamics, and it often accomplishes both simultaneously. The book demonstrates that through the use of this strategy, the sisters are able to offer an effective, flexible, and noteworthy approach to community-based activism. And I just, I, the cover is fantastic. It is, um, there's two photos, sort of one on top and one on the bottom, uh, spreads of, of the sisters of perpetual indulgence. And the bottom one is the Last Supper painting. <laughs> just... I, I feel I like it, it just, it's the idea of like dressing up as nuns and using that as sort of a way to inhabit, pun intended, a nun, what like nuns do and what nuns stand for in terms of activism and outreach, um, separate somewhat from um, the church or finding those queer individuals who are still in the church. I love the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. I know now the makeup isn't as much of a requirement. I know not everyone does the makeup, but they have super striking makeup. They do like an all white face, usually with a very solid, defined, drawn in colored crease. It's, I don't know, I, I think it's beautiful in a in a strange way as, as like the art side, but what they do is so important. Um, mm-hmm. I, I pulled up their website. They are a nonprofit, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence Incorporated. Um, they are a leading edge order of queer and trans nuns. They believe all people have a right to express their unique joy and beauty. And since our first appearance in San Francisco on Easter Sunday, 1979, the sisters have devoted themselves to community service, ministry, and outreach to those on the edges and to promoting human rights, respect for diversity, and spiritual enlightenment. We use humor and irreverent wit to expose the forces of bigotry, complacency, and guilt that chain the human spirit. Yeah. And if you would like more information, if you would like to participate or even become a nun, you can visit thesisters.org. They're also on TikTok. So follow right there maybe that will help my fyp page you know it definitely will improve it (laughs) (laughs) oh well i just called it the fyp page i know better oh no you atm machined i did i did wow we're getting old jill we're getting old i know i'm some of us are getting older than others so we'll just okay well it you know it doesn't matter how old I make you feel uh the kids (laughs) out there think I'm old all right that's fair I'll allow it (laughs) well Jill thank you for talking drag race with me today and for finding some more drag books that we could share this was so much fun so much fun listeners thank you for indulging us I feel like I have to say that when I really put together an indulgent episode like this where I'm like hi I don't know if anyone wants this but I'm gonna create it Uh (laughs) it was just good timing I'm like you know we're seeing Alyssa drag race all stars is starting let's talk drag books 
Absolutely. Uh, if you want to talk to us about Drag Race, if you want to let us know uh, who you're rooting for, or if you just have a suggestion for a future episode, please send us an email. I'm refreshing my inbox as we speak. It is professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. Let us know. We, we would love your suggestions for new ideas. We'd love to hear from you of what you thought. And of course, remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I know I should have said all of that at the top, but I'm okay with it being here at the end because this is a message for the real ones. There Let us go. know what you thought. <laughs> there you go. But thank you all so much for joining us today. And of course, happy reading. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on Overdrive.com and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen Podcasts, visit evergreenpodcast.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Emma Dwyer, Jill Grunewald, and Joe Skelly and presented by Overdrive. To learn more, visit professionalbooknerds.com. There is no hood like parenthood. When you meet a fellow parent, you just kind of get each other on a whole nother level. Hi, I'm Kanika Chanda Gupta. I'm a former CNN journalist, mom of three, including twins, and host of That's Total Mom Sense, the podcast. I interview change makers on their life lessons, legacy, and superpower of intuition, aka their mom sense and dad sense. I've had some pretty amazing parents on my show. Hey, what's up? I'm Kelly Rowland. Hi, this is Chelsea Clinton. It's me, Bobby Brown. Can't wait to share my story. Episodes release every Thursday. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and on YouTube. Join my tribe at thatstotalmomsense.com and follow me on Instagram at Kanika Chanda Gupta. I'm thrilled to be on this journey with you.